You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Good morning, church. Are you well today? Has God been good to you today? Awesome. Half of you, hopefully the other half is going to experience Jesus in a powerful way this morning. My name is Pastor John. I bring greetings from New Anthem Church, Mount Clemens, Michigan. We are a byproduct of the vision of this church, and uh, we were sent out and, and launched by Kensington Church. And so we're so grateful for this house. I say this every time I preach. I love this church. I love this house. Uh, and I love your pastor, uh, even though he still hasn't come and preached for me. Uh, and I'm just going to keep saying that till he does. So, uh, but just so blessed to be back here with you and uh, in my hometown, and uh, I'm excited to bring you the word today, Uh, and I'm excited and honored really because uh, we get to experience individuals going public with their faith in Jesus, and this is really a powerful picture that we're going to be celebrating today, and and so we're going to just be talking about that. We're going to be looking at this, this symbol of baptism and really what it means uh, to go public with your faith, ha- have an outward symbol of an inward change and transformation. What does that mean for us and what does that look like for us? I would argue that if you live life long enough, you will discover very quickly that the markers of your life, that there are parts of your life that are ultimately marked by the steps that you take, steps that you would take closer to the God of the universe, steps that you would take closer even in your earthly relationships as well. And at some point, you may have to take steps closer. You may have to go public. We do this in our relationships. We do this with our relationship statuses on social media. Uh, We do this when we say, I do. In fact, the symbol of the wedding ring is what? An outward public declaration of a relationship, one that uh, no doubt by our current present society has been watered down, the importance of this. Uh, And yet, biblically, such an important uh, message and such an important example for us. Um, One story that I could share where I wanted to absolutely go public uh, with my relationship was actually with uh, my beautiful bride. We just celebrated 10 years, my Caucasian queen, uh, Cece, uh, who is uh, at our church in Mount Clemens this morning. But um, when we were dating, we'd been dating for a few months, and uh, we reached a point in our relationship where I just made the decision, like, I can't, I don't think I cannot tell this girl that I'm absolutely, like, in love with her. Like, I have to tell her. Uh, it was just, like, welling up within me, y'all. Like, I was just smitten. And so uh, I prepared a speech. I'm not going to brag. It was incredible. It would bring a tear to your eye. And I'm talking like the single tear, like kind of tear to your eye. Like it was just poetic, beautiful, eloquent. And so I prepared this speech uh, and we went on a date. We lived in Traverse City at the time. We went down to Grand Rapids for the day. We're at this coffee shop. No one in this coffee shop. It's like a perfect scene, a beautiful fall day. We're sitting by the window and I start going down this speech that I even memorized. I know. I know, I memorized it, and um, guys, I nailed it. There's just no 
There's no two ways about it. Like, I nailed it. I crushed it. I even, like, practiced pauses so it sounded organic. Like, I was just coming up with it off the top of my head. Like, I just, I did. And I just, I crushed it, nailed it. In my mind, as soon as I started talking, first couple sentences, she would just start, like, weeping. I'm like, I know, I know. And then I'd get to the end. But she didn't. There were no tears. Didn't happen. Didn't look like that. Uh, I get to the end of my speech. Um, I don't remember the whole thing. It was like, you're beautiful inside and out. I think God brought us together for blah, 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 blah. And then at the end, I was like, P.S., by the way, just want to let you know, I'm in love with you. And then I waited for what seemed like an eternity. And she looked out the window and then looked back at me and then like moved her hair out of her face. And I'm like, it seemed like 10 minutes had went by. I was just like, come on, let's, let's get on with the response. And uh, and, and she looked me deep in the eyes and took a breath and went, okay. <laughs> Which, if you didn't already guess, was not what I thought the response was going to be. I thought when I said, I love you, her response was going to be? Which it absolutely was not until like two hours of torture later. I got, and this is just, just so you know, I, there was a happy ending. Uh, it was like two hours later, we were getting a car, some friends were picking us up that had dropped us off at the coffee shop, and uh, she could tell I was just like ready to throw myself in, in front of a bus. And we were going to get in the car, and she's like, John, like that. She said it like that with an attitude. And I was like, what? And she like rolled her eyes like this and was like, I love you too. I was like, I will take it. I will take it. If we live life long enough, there will be moments where we have to go public, where we have to take some steps, move forward in our relationships, our earthly relationships, and even our relationship with the God of the universe. And this is ultimately what we're gonna be celebrating with the symbol of baptism today. So, so important was the symbol in the New Testament that Jesus actually has last words uh, right before he was to ascend back into beam me up Scotty back into heaven after his death and burial. He's with his closest followers, with his closest confidants and he, and he has a final charge and message and, and it's twofold. One, he, he talks about, hey, hey, be unified. Be, be unified, hey, get along. And then he has this action word, this, this active directive to his followers, and he says, go. Go, therefore, to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And he says, and I'm with you forever, even to the end of the age. And so Jesus's final words, before he was to ascend back into heaven and sit at the right hand of his Father, wasn't to to go around and to just give people knowledge. It wasn't just to go around and even act a certain way. It wasn't even to go around and to help people act better or to get their lives right. Why? Because as we mentioned in first service, Jesus isn't solely about behavior modification, but soul transformation. Amen? Amen, Amen to the rest of you? Y'all, we need to pause for a moment. And I'm gonna say something that's going to shock most of you. I'm black. <laughs> Which means I'm a hollaback preacher. Amen? Amen? There we go. This is why Kensington, like Orion, is my favorite location in Lake Orion. 
So, Jesus has this final charge. And he says, go everywhere. And he says, don't just give people information about me, but give people information in such a way where it actually begin to change the way that they live their life, the way that they do their relationships, the way that they move and groove. Tell them about me in such a way where it would change the way they would live and they would actually make a public declaration of their faith and of an inward change. This is how important it was to Jesus. And so what I wanna do for the rest of our time this morning is I wanna look at two stories. I wanna look at the story of Jesus and his baptism, and then I wanna look back into the Old Testament of a popular story for those of us that have been around church for any amount of time, and I wanna look at the story of Moses. And you may ask, what do these have to do with each other? And what do both of these stories have to do with the baptisms we're gonna be celebrating today? Well, I think the answer might surprise you. And so that's the plan today. Does it sound good to everybody? Okay. (laughs) Okay, let's dive into the word today. Matthew chapter three, and then we'll pray. It says this, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? And Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descend like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love, With him, I am well pleased. Would you bow your heads with me, church family, as we go to God in prayer today? Father, in Jesus' name, I say thank you for every single person under the sound of my voice. And God, right now, we ask and call on your supernatural power to open up your word to us so that we can best understand it and so that would be transforming for every single person in the room. God, we are so expectant. We're coming to the table today and coming to the altar with the spirit of anticipation and expectation, believing that you're going to do something supernatural in our midst. And so, God, we we were responding with hope and faith today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. Well, at this time, we're going to ask our ushers to come forward. We're going to take up our regular tithes and offerings, and uh, we'd love you to partake with us. The ways to give are up on the screen. So many ways that you can get involved here and uh, trust God with your finances through generosity. Uh, you can give through our website. You can actually uh, text the word Kensington to 77977. Uh, we also have some receptacles at the back. There'll be some baskets coming your way to your right, to your left. If you can just pass those either the person to your right or to your left, that would be absolutely Awesome. You can also drop, drop a check or cash off in the offering uh, as it comes by. Uh, I like to say it this way at my church. We don't give to a church, but we give through a church. And uh, for those of us that uh, call this place home, I uh, would love you to prayerfully consider continuing to partner with Kensington and all the amazing work uh, that they're doing for the kingdom of God through this church. And if you're a new guest, you're a first time visitor, we want to say welcome. Uh, consider this service a gift to you. Please feel no pressure uh, to give. And uh, we believe that God is going to make uh, much of all the generosity that is given today. Uh, I love this narrative that we just read. And one of the things I love about it is we're actually seeing a picture. It's one of the few times in scripture that we're seeing a picture of the Holy Trinity. We're seeing 
the light from heaven, God's voice calling down to who? Jesus, the son, the second person of the Trinity, God put on skin and bones, and then we see the Holy Spirit present descend in the form of a dove. It's a powerful picture. And, and yet, if you're like me, I always had this question growing up, but why would Jesus, of all the characters of the Bible, why would he need to be the one to be baptized? Oh, let me go public so everyone knows I'm about me. Like, it didn't make sense to me. What we realize is Jesus is giving us an example. He's giving the church an example. This is ultimately what it means to be an obedient follower of Jesus, to go public with your faith, because that which we go public with is what we are most serious about, what we are most dedicated to, and what we believe in the most. And so Jesus is giving us the example by stepping forward in obedience and being baptized himself. But this isn't the only thing Jesus was doing. He was ultimately giving us an example in this symbol of baptism of the Christian life lived, of the Christ-like life lived. The Apostle Paul addresses this in Romans chapter 6. In Romans chapter 6, he says, Do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus? We're also baptized into his death. Now, this is really significant. Because this is the Apostle Paul addressing this perfect life that Jesus lived, a life that none of us could ultimately live, and died an unjust death that ultimately every single one of us, because of our sin, our error, our wrong, ultimately deserved. Jesus bore all that upon himself, died, was placed in a tomb, and then rose again. And this is ultimately the same symbol that we are celebrating in baptism. That every single one of us, we are celebrating going down. We are, we, are died, we are dead with Christ. We are dying with Christ, dying to the old man or woman, dying to the old behaviors, dying to the old afflictions, all, dying to the old life completely, and then being raised anew, living out the destiny that ultimately God has called us to. And so we have this picture within Jesus. And you may be wondering today, what is any of this have to do with the Old Testament? What does anything, any part of this have to do with the Old Testament? And I love ultimately where we're gonna be going today. In Exodus chapter 14, we see the people of Israel and we see this character named Moses. Moses was called upon by God to deliver God's chosen people who in Zeph Zeph the book of Zephaniah says that the people of Israel, the apple of God's I. And so God had a plan for Israel. At this point in scripture, in Exodus chapter 14, the people of Israel were under Egyptian captivity. And they were slaves in this land and in this region. And so God raises up Moses and he says, you are going to lead my people out and deliver my people. And so what does Moses do? He goes to Pharaoh and he says, let my people Go. Some of y'all may be thinking of the song like I do, let my people go. I'm pretty sure Moses didn't sing it when he went to Pharaoh, but I mean, that's what's in my head when I read it. But he's like, let my people go. And Pharaoh refuses. And so then Pharaoh experiences the wrath of God via the plagues of Egypt until seemingly Pharaoh relinquishes and he says, you can go. And Moses goes to lead the people out of Egypt. I wanna speak to a misconception that many of us have about this well-known story. Because many of us, and maybe we've even learned this, that 
the chosen people of God, the apple of God's eye, the people of Israel became the apple of God's eye, became the people of God when they exited this bondage and this slavery, when they finally made it to this promised land. But scripture record, we would record that the people of Israel were always God's chosen people, were always the people of God. Now, why is this significant? Because this specific group of people that Moses is preparing to deliver were God's people and yet in bondage. What if I told you today it's possible to love Jesus and be in bondage? It is possible to want more of Jesus and be in bondage, to serve Jesus and yet to be in bondage and be enslaved. Now, what are we talking about? I'm talking about that there might be a deliverance that needs to take place in your soul. There might be a freedom that God wants to take place in your mind, in your way of thinking, from your addiction, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your finances. I don't know what your story is, but I do know a God who is all about delivering his people. And so just like God has a plan for Israel, God has a plan for your deliverance as well. And so um, the, the Israelites, they, they go to leave. They go to leave and they, they start this journey. And just before Exodus uh, chapter 14, moving to Exodus 15, we see them, the people of God, come to an immovable object called the Red Sea. Now, here's what's interesting. God led them there. God led them to the sea and now they're stuck. And this was a major issue because they'd just received word that Pharaoh actually changed his mind and sent the armies of Egypt to pursue and to hunt down and destroy the people of God. So they come to this Red Sea and they start grumbling and complaining in the absolute worst way. They start questioning things to the point where they actually start saying things like, maybe things were better when we were slaves in Egypt. God in this moment was providing food from them called manna from heaven, literally just supernatural, miraculous appearing food for them. And they were eating it and saying, I kind of liked the food better as a slave. And so they have all of these ridiculous complaints that they're giving to Moses. Moses presents these uh, complaints to God. And this is where we're gonna punch into the story in Exodus chapter 14, verse 15. And it says, this. Then Moses, or then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Another translation says to move forward. Raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. And I want to just camp here for a moment. Because the mistake that Israel is making, the people of Israel are, are making in this part of the text is a mistake that so many of us make in our journey with Jesus. Because what were they doing? They were looking back on what was, looking back to their past, looking back to their, their dramatic, looking back to the slavery-filled past and they're making a mistake that many of us make. As we look back and we consider our lives, how far God has brought us through, the person that we used to be, the parent we used to be, the friend we used to be, 
when we hated ourselves, when we didn't know who we were, we didn't know who our identity was in, when we were insecure, when we were depressed, when we were suffering loss, when we felt divided within ourselves, when we think back, many of us make these two mistakes. One, some of us are like Israel and we look back on our broken past with rose-colored glasses. Well, maybe I just need to get back there. Maybe it really wasn't all so bad. I mean, sure, I, things weren't great and sure I was depressed and sure I hated myself and sure I, but maybe we cling to a couple of memories where things were actually good and we become disinterested or in some ways we, we even become discontent with our current uh, situation and our current life clinging onto all that God has delivered us from and brought us out of. But the other mistake that many of us make is when we look back, we allow Satan to whisper words of shame and guilt I'm talking about the life that looks back on the mistakes that they made, the failures from their path, past, and, and, and don't believe that God can actually use them. Don't believe that they've actually been changed and transformed and renewed. Don't believe that they're anything more than the weight of their past failures and weaknesses and mistakes, their bad decisions from their childhood, their bad decisions from college, or even the terrible thing that was maybe done to them. And can I tell you, both, are a grave mistake, and I believe if that's you this morning, God's mes message for the people of Israel is the same message for us, the church, in 2023, and here it is. Move forward. Move on. This is why the Apostle Paul says this in Philippians, that it's about forgetting what is behind straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What is this? That is, what was is what was, but I'm moving and running towards the destiny and the future that God has called me to. And can I remind you, church family, this is more than just like trying to hypnotize ourselves into never trying, trying to force ourselves to not remember any of the bad things that ever happened to us. We may look back, we may see our mess and our, our janked up past, but hopefully like me, even bigger and even brighter, you see a bloodstained cross and an empty tomb that's our symbol of hope and liberty and freedom in Christ. Are you with me, church? Amen? And so... We need to move forward. This is God's call for us. This is God's call for Israel to move on, to move forward. And what's interesting and fascinating about this text is we're reminded that sometimes what God calls us to and sometimes the way that he's, what he's wanting to move us on from can be equally as scary. Are you with me? Because they were following the ways of God, following the direction of God, and where did it lead them? Into seemingly an immovable object called the Red Sea with all the enemies, with all the bondage, all of their past hot on their tail trying to take them out. And yet this is where God led them. But then God provides a way. God provides a way. Here's what's interesting. God calls Moses, he says, outstretch your, your arm. We, many of us know the story, remember the cartoon, right? Like the waters just part miraculously and, and the people of Israel, the people of God, they, they just kind of mosey across on dry ground. 
but I would, I would kind of tweak the picture that many of us have in our head from those cartoons and those coloring books. Because most of the cartoons, the movies, the coloring books, like they're just kind of skipping across the completely level ground, no big problems. They just kind of scurry across, everything's cool. But what we, when we do a little bit of research, what we discover is that the Red Sea in multiple spots was nearly two miles deep. Which means when the waters parted, what would have been right in front of them? A dark valley that they now had to walk into. Can I remind you that this is what a life with Jesus looks like? Look, think about the story of the people of Israel and Moses. We're in captivity for years. When are we going to be set free? God's like, right now, I'm sending Moses. And he's like, we're saved. Let's go. Let's go. And they start on their journey, and they get to the Red Sea. We're all going to die. God's like, no, I'm going to make a way. Moses, outstretch your hand. The water's part. We're saved. Dark valley. We're going to die. And so they, they start down into this dark valley to cross, to ultimately get to the land that God had called them to and get to the blessing on the other side. This is a picture of what it looks like when we make a public display of faith and take steps towards our purpose and our calling. Now, what does any part of this Old Testament story have to do with baptism? Well, the Apostle Paul, as he's writing to the church of Corinth, is going to give us a little bit of a clue in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. The Apostle Paul writes this, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea, and they all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. And so the, the Apostle Paul, he's hearkening back to the story of Moses in the Old Testament. And, he, and he's making a parallel, but he uses this really interesting word. And what he says when he's talking about Moses and this phenomenon that happened at the Red Sea is he uses this word baptized. So he's talking about our baptism with Christ and he's referencing the, the waters of the Red Sea that ultimately happened in this Exodus story. Why? Because the truth that Paul is wanting us, the church, to know in 2023 is that salvation for the people of God came through their faith in the water. Passing through the waters that were parted but their salvation came in two ways because it wasn't just getting to the purpose of God on the other side of this water, but also experiencing God's deliverance from all of the bondage, all of their past, which was chasing them hot on their tail. Let's read and finish the story together. Verse 26, it says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. And the water flowed back and covered the chariots and the horsemen and the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Watch this. Not one of them survived. Not one of them survived. 
And so this is the parallel that the Apostle Paul is making, that what we're about to celebrate isn't just the newness of life, but a freedom from a broken, messy past celebrating that God has made us new creations. First Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things have gone and new things have come. You see, it's not the baptism symbol that saves us, it is Jesus that saves us. But he's giving, given us this powerful picture and this powerful symbol to celebrate collectively as a body of believers the truth and the reality of the gospel that's come alive in these men and women that have slid all of their chips in on Jesus. You see, what our current culture today would say about us as a, as a race of people is that we're good, we're pretty good, and we're getting better. But the gospel has another truth for us this morning. The heart of the gospel found in Ephesians 2 is not that we were bad people needing to get better. Not that we were good people needing to get better. Remember what we said in the beginning, that Jesus is not first and foremost about behavior modification, but soul transformation. So what does Ephesians 2 says? That we were dead in our trespasses and sins. It's so much worse than that we were bad. We were dead. And what we're celebrating today are people that realized, oh, this is why my life wasn't working. This is why I couldn't figure anything out because I was trying to do it on my own. This is why I've been struggling with this. This is why I've been struggling with that and in all of these different seasons of my life. This is why I've always felt this empty spot in my heart and in my soul because it needed to be filled with something. It was that we were dead and Jesus Christ made us alive. And so what we, we celebrate today is a savior who's impacted people in such a way where they've realized this reality that they cannot save themselves, that there's something broken inside of every single one of us that only can be fixed, mended, filled, repaired, and renewed by Jesus, who is for us what we can't be for us. And so this is why we're going to be cheering and celebrating along with these people to align with them on this declaration that they've made. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.